Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name's David Pembroke, and welcome to this week's edition of In Transition, the podcast dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Today, we'll visit with a very well-known non-government organisation, UNICEF Australia. Non-profits and NGOs like UNICEF Australia rely on telling stories to achieve their goals, be it in fundraising, advocating for policy or change, or just raising awareness. But before we dive into the topic with our guest today, as we do each week, it's time for our definition of content marketing as it relates to the public sector. Content marketing is a strategic, measurable and repeatable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen or stakeholder action. Well, our guest today is Kate Moore, UNICEF Australia's Media Manager. Kate has spent 20 years in print and online news, starting first as a country journalist and working through to the ranks of a sub-editor, section editor, news producer, and most recently, she's worked for News Limited's stable of Sydney community titles. She also holds a non-executive director role with the Girl Guides of New South Wales and ACT. Kate Moore, thanks very much for being in transition. It's a pleasure. Kate, your title, Media Manager, I'm sure you do a lot more these days than deal with the media. It certainly is. It's, it's, um, the, the titles around the communications sector are certainly in flux all the, um, and I, I think they're always going to be in flux because they, the, the role is changing, as you know, so quickly. But I absolutely do do a lot more than um, straight up media and PR. I, um, obviously, I've managed celebrity ambassador relationships. Um, I manage our corporate press campaigns. I um, am doing strategic thinking around advocacy campaigns and fundraising campaigns. Um, i I speak. I'm the person that is often on the television or on the radio or speaking to journalists. So I am a spokesperson as well. So there's there's a full gamut of of the communications roles across um, the UNICEF Australia office, and it's um, a really small team. We have 40 in the office here in Sydney, and our communications team is myself and a, and a part-time graduate. And I think that would be fairly typical of most NGOs. Would you agree? It, it is fairly typical. I, I, we're probably a smaller communications team than quite a lot. We do have um, a digital marketing team, but in terms of the communications across our social media channels, that's that's an extra one person. So it is it is a pretty small, pretty lean team, but uh, I think like to think we punch above our weight. So is there a, a differentiation between the communications and the digital marketing or do you really work together as a single unit? We've, we've made a distinct difference only this year. So we actually have... Um, Probably over the last three years, had them had all of those staff, and when I say all, like we're, we're talking about a handful of people, um, had those staff working together really closely. And and then what we've done is um, sort of hive off the really clear marketing parts of our digital work. So really reassessed our, our website and um, re re-established relationships with agencies or established relationships with agencies to support what is social marketing or, or particularly digital marketing. So EDMs to our supporter bases or campaigns that are actually going to elicit a particular um, fundraising action in the main. 
Um, but then a, a large part of our work is as is policy campaign and advocacy campaign as well. So um, we've always sat the social part of that work in with the communications um, person or myself um, and we've just start, started to rethink that and um, you'll have seen that we're expanding our communications team quite literally as of today. So we've started advertising for uh, a new role in our comms team to, to really drive the strategy and start working much more collaboratively across those teams because we can see the, the teams are, are changing and um, getting larger and there's a potential where those two teams will really split out and be doing quite different work and where we want to make sure that there is a communication ac across the two teams for the, the, the future and um, that those advocacy and, and fundraising messages and the policy work that we do is aligned and makes sense to the different audiences that we, we speak to. So in terms of that evolving uh, roles that there are there and, and the growing roles, do you think that that reflects a change in the leadership's views of the importance of communication and the fact that now everybody who UNICEF Australia needs to engage with in order to achieve its objectives is essentially connected to the organisation largely through their mobile phone. So do you think that that increasing relevance and importance uh, driven by that technological change is now being recognised and, and understood more fully by the leadership? I think the leadership of UNICEF Australia and I think the leadership of UNICEF has always seen um, the, the technical and technological innovations for communicating have always been there and partly that's because of the work, like the muddy boots type of work we do in field when we are using um, mobile handheld devices to do quite a lot of our work. So a lot of our communications for development work is also happening and has always happened uh, across mediums that are going to best suit the, the nature of the message and the audience. So that might be radio simply because um, of the literacy rates in a, in a community. Um, so radio becomes the best broadcast um, means to get a message out. Um, and certainly with uh, social technology and um, mobile phones being such a, a readily accessible tool in developing countries, the, the medium um, and the messaging has changed and the, the way we um, even track data. So, for example, in UNICEF Indonesia um, and um, I'm going to say the wrong country, I think it's UNICEF Ghana, but don't quote me on that, um, we've got, you know, tools like uh, WhatsApp messaging and uh, Twitter being used to put questions out to young people and track the answers and actually do data segmentation and not data segmentation in a communications way where we're actually talking to different audiences and testing and doing those sorts of things, but actually creating social data that then builds decision-making around um, policy reform. So when we talk about leadership on um, technology and digital technology, it's, it's already... It's very inherent there and we actually have an innovation lab that's um, always looking to new ways for us to communicate and that rolls very naturally into the communications work that um, national committees like the UNICEF Australia or our country offices like you might see in um, the Pacific or Papua New Guinea or in, in our region, for example, Philippines or Indonesia. Um, what they're doing is, it crosses over really quick, quite fluidly. You mentioned an innovation lab. Is that in Australia or is that a, a global innovation? No, it's not. It's a it's a it's a global innovation lab. But some of the stuff that comes out of there is is very based on how we communicate um, to the audiences that we have. Really important message. It might be a message about a, a pending emergency or um, how to trace families after an emergency. Um, and the the, it, the good stories that come out of that, but also the good ways of telling those stories. So 
some things that come out of innovation lab like TEDx style talks or what we call activate talks have been used as ways to record children um, and record young people uh, telling stories about their experiences but also then become content for us effectively. Yeah, right. So in terms of your your process, when you when you came to this role, you know, from being a journalist, what did you see when you came into the organisation and what did you have to do to sort of manage that transition from uh, journalist, sub-editor, section editor to delivering communications on behalf of UNICEF Australia? I think actually when you ask the great leadership and, and, and changing nature of the the sector. Um, the first thing that flashed in my head is it's so much better than um, in in a newsroom at the at the time that I was leaving. Uh, newsrooms <laughs> when I was leaving community newsrooms across News Limited, and I, I feel like I can say that um, it, it's a big organisation, News Limited, and that's where I was based. And they're large organisations, and they can be slow to move. That's not to say that UNICEF is a large, not a large organisation. It is, and it can have moments where it is slow to move on some things, um, but. Because of the demographics of your of your workforce too, it's it's um, a newsroom um, in the community newspapers where I was working, um, and I was news producing across uh, this the website for twenty odd newspapers and their social media sites. And this was only three years ago. That that role is completely and vastly different now. Um, but you you were working across um, very experienced people who'd been in the industry for a long time and then you were working with um, what would have been called a cadet in, in my day um, and they were the, the new staff that were coming through. In the environment that I'm in, it's a small, lean team and it's predominantly uh, a young workforce. It's predominantly people who have um, the ability to take risks, the ideas that um, are, are going to be tested and tried. And there's there's a real can-do attitude. Now, where where that translates into communications is that, you know, um, I think my favourite saying is press play. Let's let's actually see what can happen here. Obviously, you've got to be strategic, and you you don't want to waste your time when you're a small lean outfit on things that you know will have um, no measurable impact on the work that we do or the calls to action that we have. But you you have a lot more um, ingenuity and innovation in, in the work that you do and a, a lot more um, patience for um, things that might not go exactly as you're expecting them to. In order to be effective in your new role, what have you had to learn that you didn't know when you were a journalist? Do you know, like, I, I come to this question a lot and people say, you know, if they're coming out of a newsroom, and gosh, there's a lot of people coming out of newsrooms right now yeah. um, and, and looking to move into the communication space, there's, uh, I guess, an arrogance of you've been on the other side of the desk and you know what it is that you don't want to be receiving from um, somebody in PR. Um, so there is some arrogance around around that. There's also some great trepidation of having to have um, you know, control of your message and to water down messages or dilute. I can't say that I've found that. In fact, it's the new sense that I bring to my job um, and it hasn't changed. It hasn't, you can still tell a good story. Like um, if you can tell your story well and you can identify the the nuts and bolts of what's going to be a good story in, um, you know, an Activate video that comes across my desk or somebody who started some fundraising and done something really quite quirky with that fundraising um, and you know where that, that's best going to play to an audience, I, you still have to do that. And Really good news people, once upon a time when we were putting out print products or, you know, devising a program schedule for a radio or television broadcast, 
they had a good news sense. They they kind of knew and were quite intimate with, with what their audiences understood and would, would tolerate um, and they knew a good story when they were onto it. And I, I don't know that that's changed. I think that's a really translatable skill. Yeah, indeed. In terms of your planning, can you give us some insights into the way you would go about planning um, to tell the UNICEF Australia story on an annual basis? Uh, look, you can try to tell the story on an annual basis, but as UNICEF is such a, uh, a large organisation, there's obviously communication imperatives that come down from uh, our global communications directorate, there's our regional communications directorate, and then there's the, the objectives that we want to achieve out of UNICEF Australia. So you have uh, a lot of stakeholders, a lot of internal stakeholders. You also have the fundraising work um, and then you have what I call the public engagement work and then you have the really deep dive advocacy work. So often that is not particularly communicated to a wide audience. It's, it's a very specific communication that might be to one minister or to um, um, a, a sector partner. So there's all those different communication points and planning that out across a year means working across all those stakeholders to understand what their objectives are, then cross almost like you're cross-referencing that across what you know your global and regional objectives are going to be. Then you're looking at the cycle. So obviously we've got an election year coming up, so you're also looking at what what opportunities you've got for political sway or what opportunities you've got um, across significant moments that are kind of come up in um, the Australian calendar or... Uh, even a Sydney calendar or even a youth calendar, depending on, on the objectives that you have. And, and then you're, you're almost cross-referencing and, and trying to make that work because, like I said, it's it's a small team. If you don't have those eyes on the, those things, you're, you're going to try and reach for everything and it's not possible to do and you're, you're not going to meet your objectives, you're not going to hit your targets. So in terms of that, you do then do your best to try to put some sort of calendar in place for maybe a 12-month basis, but do you then operate on a... A, you know, a weekly, a, a fortnightly calendar or how, how do you operate on a day-to-day basis in order to tell the story of UNICEF Australia effectively? Yeah, there, there is a global um, and, and local, like a UNICEF Australia 2016 calendar, for example. Um, but then, quite honestly, we bring um, members of our stakeholder group together and plan that out week to week. So we'll actually sit down and go, well, what is it that we're communicating? What are the audiences that we're targeting? What have we got coming up that we need to be conscious of? Um, So yes, there certainly is an editorial process to that calendar. And I I would relate that back to my newsroom experience as well. There is certainly um, an editorial calendar. So you may have an editor's meeting or an editorial group meeting, you know, once a week or at the end of every day or depending on the the circulation or the the timeframe of your product. Um, But so we would almost run that the same way and, and that's something I've, I've brought to UNICEF Australia, almost run this place like it's a newsroom. Right, so you would have a daily conference, you know, at the beginning of the day to sort of understand contextually what's happening so indeed you might be able to get the UNICEF Australia story, you know, into the zeitgeist, so to speak. Yeah, we do, like I would not say that I bring my team together or the, the, the sort of the digital marketing team and, and the small communications team together on a daily basis, but we certainly on an issues basis, we will bring stakeholders together. In an emergency, it's a, a very defined way of bringing the team together. If there's something breaking in the news cycle, because we're still reactive and we're still responding to what's happening in the news cycle, um, absolutely we'll bring people together to make those decisions and, and almost plot out our channels. And you can move quickly? We can. Yeah, 
Okay. Do you find that that's increasingly important to be responsive and to be agile, given the the speed of of the news cycle and the speed of the way people are now consuming content? I I, I don't know that I know it any other way. I was a breaking news news producer, so... um, I, I don't know that I know anything other than that. Um, there, there's probably people who, who come to this office and go, oh, you know, how are you able to, to be so reactive? Um, uh, for me, that is just part of being a communication specialist. You have to be able to look at and read your news every morning. You have to be on top of what's, who's saying what and you have to know where your messages fit into that. If you miss those opportunities, you're going to miss them because you're not really uh, on top of the news cycle of the day and you're not really, um, you know, you're not conscious of where your messages is going to fit. You really need to be uh, very much across the work that you're doing. There's also that need to be strategic, as you've outlined in your previous answers, around audiences and understanding audiences and motivations and needs and wants and challenges, et cetera. What's your process to, for building up sort of personas within UNICEF Australia? Do, do you have a fairly clear audience segmentation? Yeah, we have a clear audience segmentation and I, I would say that's, you know, audience segmentation so across different channels as well. So we we have really good data um, from our global office who, um, who does a, a sort of every two years does a, a really good piece of research around um, audiences and, and some of the trends that are coming for our audiences. But then we also have our in-house knowledge of what we know our audience um, is across um, our cash donors or our fundraisers, the people who are supporting our advocacy calls or our policy calls, um, the people who are on our Facebook pages or Twitter or Instagram or our YouTube channel, um, but also the, the audiences that um, are going to be want to be informed about the work that a humanitarian international non-government organisation does for children. Um, so we, we we know those audiences quite intimately. Um, and, I, I look, I don't think there's any brand out there who doesn't know those, their audiences quite intimately. Yeah. But you also have, you know, as you say, your story uh, is different in that it's, it's also segmented around obviously clear objectives that you would have within fundraising, advocacy, policy. How do you set up the priorities for yourself and for your team in terms of what effort you allocate to what part of that story? Um, such a big question. Um, part, part, part of that is, again, across our internal stakeholder gr- groups that they all have their own objectives and there's an element of our work that is is service agencies, so we may respond to those internal stakeholders as clients, but then we're also developing the strategy across the different internal stakeholders that we have. I'm not sure, I'm not entirely sure that that answers your question, but it's um, it's it's such a there are so many competing priorities that you are, and I, I bring it back to that newsroom analogy again that you are you know what your objectives are for a, a quarter or um, a, a period of time, whether it's the full year or the, the a three-year period. Some of our strategic planning documents are across three years. So you know what those um, objectives and those KPIs might be. But there's also an element of going um, through what you know is um, a good story based on what's happening in Burundi right now or what's happening in the in Myanmar because there's just been an election and, and we have offices and we're doing child participation work there. So there there is an element of being able to cut through some of the objectives and making sure that we respond to um, 
you know, our hierarchy of UNICEF key messages, we respond to the the brand expectations that we have and and the critical drivers that we might have for um, for for donation or for taking action. So there's there's moments where you you just have to dive in and and um, you know, change change the strategic objectives. Just to, well, not even you're not changing the strategic objectives. You're you're jumping at communication opportunities in in a way that a, an editor would jump at a breaking news opportunity. Yeah, but doing so in, in a way that's driving you back towards some particular objective. You're not just jumping into any old story just for. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Like we we have objectives from an advocacy point and a policy point that might be um, very much for us framed around the Convention on the Rights of the Child. And the the work that we know needs to be done to make sure that children's rights are achieved in Australia. So you know, I, I you know, UNICEF is a um, uh, I'll take a sort of current example. UNICEF is the the world's largest provider of of immunisation and vaccine programs for for child health and preventative health programs around the world. Now, there's uh, no job, no play policy in the domestic um, news arena, um, but and I could easily jump onto that, but. Mm. And of course, we've got something, we've got a position on that. We've got something to say about that. But for UNICEF Australia, if I spend a lot of time over there in that space, I'm not going to maybe meet some of the objectives and and drive some of the the messaging and the spokespersons that I have around um, violence against children, for example. You must sleep well at night. Um, I, I do have days where I, uh, death and destruction is part of, of my, my day um, and I have been known to snap at people and say, people are dying, people are dying, children are dying, please don't talk to me about your petty problems. But um, uh, look, it's, there's a lot of good stories and there's a lot of positive work that um, our brand does and, and UNICEF Australia does and quite honestly many of those good stories are the people who work for UNICEF and they tell very good stories. It's it's a heartening thing to just, um, if you're having a bad day, call up a child protection specialist in South Sudan, for example, and say, what wind did you have today? And it's um, it's not only a feel good for us, but it's also a great story for me often. Yeah, but there are, it's it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It is such a, a content-rich environment that you work in. There's no lack of content to, to distribute. So, how do you no, go? Billions, billions of children who are my clients. Yeah, indeed. But how then do you go about that creation piece? How much do you create? How much do you curate? And then your distribution. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about distribution in a minute. But just those two areas of of creation of relevant content, obviously to whatever audience that it's you're seeking to talk to. Um, but then also the curation piece, because you mentioned before the the sourcing of those um, activate uh, talks that are coming from the centre. So how do you balance that sort of locally produced, uh, internationally imported content? Look, it is true. There is a lot of information, a lot of content out there. There is, you know, for every emergency, there's the hundreds and thousands of children's stories that we could tell, um, and we rely very heavily on some really good storytellers who are in the field to be able to help us source and find those stories. But um, there's also that element for me personally of being able to form those connections with the people that I've got in the field, so Australians particularly who are in the field um, um, and some of the work that we're doing. So you, you don't, you can't possibly consume and understand every piece of, of, um, of program work or, um, you know, some of our work is really quite terrible technical and it's it, you know you have to spend um you know years understanding and learning international development to be across it i think it's the fact that 
from a communications point of view, I'm, I'm not the person who has spent years learning international development. I actually uh, always just going, well, what is the good story? Um, and that also means understanding your audiences and understanding what it is that they want and expect to, to hear about and framing it in, in such a way that they are uh, receiving information about UNICEF and UNICEF's work that they, um, you know, are proud of. Often if they're a, a supporter of us, we want them to feel proud and we are we're looking at those drivers that will, you know, elicit those responses from them, whether it be fundraising to to make sure that that work continues or advocacy work because we, we know that there are children, child rights that need um, our attention and we want them to act on um, bringing them to the attention of policymakers. But... Um, I, Again, I come back to that newsroom analogy. You, you know, if if you're handed as the cadet reporter, you know, here's here's the feature on um, um, summer summer planting that you might have. Certainly, you start making your decisions based on who your advertisers might be, um, and then you start to to work back on the the, the 500 different uh, nurseries that are advertising in your section and and try and find the ones that are going to appeal to your audience and have something interesting to say. In the same way, we're looking at we we have program areas so. Um, where I'm um, talking to different countries. I've got countries in my region. I've got countries where our, our emergencies are. I've got countries where we've got specific programs that we want to highlight. So you, you can start to to whittle it back and, and, and be quite sensible about it. It's, it's probably not as difficult um, as it seems, although the, your inbox fills very, very quickly. Yeah, I imagine. Now, in terms, I know it's horses for courses in terms of what content works for which particular audience through you know, that preferred channel that that audience may be, you know, receiving their information from you. But just in a generalised way, what's really working for you at the moment in terms of, you know, grabbing, you know, the attention, the scarce attention of the audience out there where where you are competing with so many other people to get that scarce attention? What formats are really working for you at the moment and what channels are working for you? I don't think there's anybody out there who would not say it's about visuals um, and, and, you know, short videos and and good stories on short videos. People uh, have higher and higher expectations. It's a real challenge for NGOs to produce, you know, cinema quality storytelling and video quality um, for 15 seconds on a YouTube video. Like it is such a challenge because it costs so much money and I'm guarantee a UNICEF supporter would rather we spent our money on the field than producing really slick videos. So that that fine balance of trying to find the right partner who has has a passion for what we're trying to tell um, and, you know, that's almost as hard as then selling the story to the audience or to um, your BuzzFeed or Mashable or whoever you want to pick up or, you know, the, the, the Sydney Morning Herald or Fairfax online video um, team, you, you are... You, you've got this really difficult task of trying to create beautiful, visual, compelling, emotive stories with the resources that are available to you and, and you know, duly you should be um, making sure that you're accountable to those, those spends. And in terms of channels, where are you seeing most of your results? We're seeing certainly from a, a digital media point of view, Facebook is certainly still where we're finding um, the best results for engagement, for both reach and engagement. Um, I saw some reporting this week actually around uh, millennials and I was really surprised because demographically our audience is just probably slightly in the, the older demographic of the Facebook demographic. 
Um, and the, and now and there's a bit of a gap between um, sort of Gen X and then it comes into a, a real shift into millennials, which I'm surprised because three years ago when that reporting came through to me, that wasn't there. So uh, certainly I, I, I feel like we've had the right strategic um, placements of, of the of you know, the, the choices that we've made about splitting out our digital marketing and our, our channels and, and our resources for our channels. Um, but it's it's been interesting to see how rapidly audience demographics are changing, even for an international NGO like us that has um, you know, been in the market for a long time, has such a, a highly, um, you know, trust drivers are, are quite high for a particular demographic that, that has been with us. The loyalty for that demographic um, and UNICEF is, is quite high. So it's it's been interesting to see how quickly that's shifting and and what you know you're sort of starting to trend forecast as to what you need to spend your resources and and think through your strategies for those. Certainly, um, you know, so it's a brand Dutter's piece on Instagram this week as well. And um, you know, how much do you invest in video pla- on the Facebook platform or new platforms or you know how much is YouTube a, a, a player for us? But at the current mo- moment, Facebook is our digital channel of, of choice. And and then um, in terms of earned media, uh, television is still uh, broadcast television is still where we we get the larger audiences and the the, the best impact from those audiences. Mm. And you mentioned a couple of times throughout the the chat that we're ha- having today that. You know the central UNICEF has a you know the innovation labs and obviously there's a, a you know quite a robust data um, measurement and evaluation capability sitting at the centre. But how do you measure and track your results? We we measure our, our results off the native platforms as as well as using a variety of different tools. Again, um, cost comes into it. For us, it, it, where larger and probably commercial exercises can um, outfits can have, you know, they can spend some money on creating great analytics and um, you know spending money per month or having reports done. We we don't have that kind of resource, and I've, I've quite honestly been speaking to media monitoring firms for the, and doing agency reviews across those sorts of things, um, simply because we like everybody else, we we get a lot of information and make a lot of decisions based on that data. But we also don't have the kind of spend that can happen on those on those things. And, and uh, again, we're, it's all about our maximising our our dollar to the to the field. But we still have to make those decisions to be competitive in our market um, and to be responding to the changes that are shifting and, and moving through. So, in terms of those changes, just as a final question, it's it's interesting. You know, I can almost hear the sort of ground moving between your feet, and you almost feel like every day you're coming in, things are moving as quickly. And I think we all know that in this space. But you know, three months down the track, six months down the track, can you sort of forecast for us at all how your world might change and might change in a way um, that helps you to be more effective? I think the biggest change is, is, is around our recruitment and our investment in communication. So we are growing our teams um, and, and that's, that's a big shift for us. It'll mean um, better strategy. At the moment, it's one person doing strategy and operations. So being able to bring somebody in here that is doing strategy and, and have the staff who are completely focused on operations will, will be a significant change um, for our organisation. And I, I know that agencies are always looking at... Um, who does what in an organisation and where to best place their resources for what their futures and what their objectives in 2016, 2017 or 2018 might be. Um, so that for, for our 
our organisation coming into 2016, that will be a significant shift for us and one that we've, we've heartily planned for. Um, in, in terms of uh, what else happens, you know, if we've got what's happening out there and what's happening politically, then we've got the, the things like um, climate change, conflict, all those things will have a massive impact on the work we do and w what our objectives are for the moment. So each time there's an, a new emergency through, um, so each time we can see a typhoon moving into across the Philippines or a cyclone that moves across the Pacific or there's an earthquake, our resources automatically go into that. So... Um, you, you almost you, you're leaving so much storytelling behind that happens around the rest of the world. So, you know, we've got COP twenty one coming coming next week, and um, you know, it's an important communications piece for us. But it's also an com important communications piece for us because climate change emergencies, what what the impact for children will be, affects our work in a way that you, you can't guess at what, what's going to come. Other brands can say what exactly it is that they want to be able to do. We're working with real people and real children's lives and, and that can change in the world in a heartbeat. Kate Moore, thank you so much for spending some of your valuable, precious time with us today to give us an insight and give our audience the insights of what life is like in a in a fast-moving, demanding role with so very few resources, but you're obviously applying yourself and your skills in such a way that you're getting outstanding results for UNICEF Australia. How might people be able to engage with you, get in contact or indeed support some of the work that you're doing there? Uh, we, we have a fantastic new website. It's one of the, the objectives that we had for 2015 and we've nailed it. Tick. Our, <laughs> tick, indeed. Um, so you can learn a lot more about what our work is there um, and I certainly encourage people to go on and have a look about how they want to engage. Fundraising is, is something that they can do for us. We have many options for that but um, donating to UNICEF is, is obviously keeps the work viable, keeps the work that we're doing. Um, you know, it, it's a changing world for children and I, I encourage people to have a look at that. If they're also interested in um, talking to myself and my colleagues around what it is, my details are on the, on the website and I'd be happy to hear from, from your, your listeners. Okay, fantastic. Kate Moore, thank you once again. And listeners, thanks to you for turning up once again to listen to In Transition where we look at this practice of content marketing in the public sector and today just a wonderful story from UNICEF Australia. Speak to you next week. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.